You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostrecker of Ravens Wire, and we are back with the first episode of the 2020 offseason for Locked On Ravens. And uh, <laughs> this is not how I wanted to really be going into the offseason. The Ravens fall to the Tennessee Titans 28-12 to in the divisional round, and it was a tough game to watch. Um, you know, a lot of momentum shifts in the Titans' favor. It was really just a game of inches, and of course we're going to be getting into everything on the offense and the defense, but I wanted to take this first segment just to put a message out there for Ravens fans who might be feeling a bit down like I am because it, at this time, you know, a playoff loss is never easy, but it's terrible and it's horrible when you go in as the number one seed in the AFC. You've had such a dynamic, a historic regular season, and then it all just falls apart. It's difficult to kind of swallow that, and I know for me, you know, watching the game the, in the aftermath of the game, it was tough for me to, you know, kind of come to grips with what just happened, and so I want to just put a message out there for, for Ravens fans because, look, it was horrible what happened on Saturday night, and it was disappointing. It was, you know, you could even say embarrassing, but there's hope. There's so much hope for the future, and that kind of can be left out and can kind of be forgotten in a scenario like this. So I want to make sure that people hear what I have to say about that. So let's get right into it. But before we do that, with the offseason coming up, of course, stick it here with Locked On Ravens. We're going to be getting into draft coverage, season recaps, team recaps, schedule previews, free agency, the whole shebang for the offseason. We're still going to be here Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern Time is when we post. Be sure to follow us, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnRavens, and my personal account, at KOstriker34. So, with all that being said, let's get right into it. And this is just going to come straight from my heart, you know, as a fan. I am a Ravens analyst. I've been covering the team for a while now, you know, through Ravens Wire, through this podcast, and, and the like. But... You know, I'm a fan as well, and what I watched, you know, with all my football experience on Saturday night was a game where the Ravens kind of abandoned who they were, and of course, we're going to be getting into that in the second segment talking about the offense, but the playoffs are a different animal. Come January, you can't underestimate any team. You can't write off any team, and I know that I saw on Twitter, you know, some Ravens fans had confidence in the Ravens, and a lot of it, and I had confidence as well. I am all for having confidence. I want every Ravens fan to have the confidence in this team that they are going to make to the big game. They're going to win every single year because they have that potential, but in the playoffs, sometimes things just don't go that way. You can look at a matchup like this with the Ravens and the Titans. You can say, look, this is the number one seed. The Ravens have been dominating on offense all season. The Titans have their best pass coverage linebacker out. One of their best slot receivers has been out for a while. He's not going to play. Ryan Tannehill's Ryan Tannehill. The Ravens have the personnel to cover. All of it kind of seemed to line up. But this is January football. We've seen it with the Saints. We've seen it with the Patriots. And now the Ravens are the next ones to fall victim. January football... It's tough football. Any team can come out and surprise. I mean, the Ravens, this was new. All of this. For me, for a lot of Ravens Nation too, this was all new. This pure dominance, the the media attention, having the clear-cut MVP getting all this hype, this Ravens team having such high expectations put on them from a team that really, what, we had them pegged maybe... 10 and 6. I said they were going to go 11 and 5, 10 and 6. I still thought they were going to win the North, 
But I don't think anybody, the Ravens probably knew, the Ravens themselves probably knew, but I don't think anybody knew that this team was going to be so special. And I am so thankful and I am so happy that they were because although the season didn't end the way that it was supposed to end, this was supposed to be a magical run. This was supposed to be third Lombardi trophy coming back to Baltimore. The Ravens had all the pieces in place, but at the same time, they didn't. Originally, I thought this team was one year away. I've said that a few times on the podcast, but as the season went on, you know, I started thinking, wow, like this team has it. And I 100% thought that this team was going to make it all the way. I had the most confidence in the world in Lamar Jackson, in John Harbaugh, and in this team. And this loss does not mean I've lost any of that confidence. Sometimes a team just has a bad game. The Ravens had barely any quote-unquote bad games. You look at their two losses, those are really maybe their two bad games. The Ravens just had to have their third in a position where it mattered the most, and sometimes that happens. But I thought this team was one year away, and what I saw in the game against Tennessee kind of helped me rethink about that and kind of helped me understand why I was thinking that. You look and you think about, okay, look, the Ravens didn't really have much of a pass rush. The Ravens don't have the receivers aside from Hollywood Brown to help Lamar Jackson out. There were drops everywhere, everywhere. And Hollywood Brown played the game of his life. Lamar Jackson, sure, he had some mistakes. But there are some areas of his game where you can criticize. He looked a little too jumpy out there. He had some overthrown balls. He made one bad decision. He made a few bad decisions on his throws as well. But this man, Lamar Jackson, is 23 years old. And people are expecting him to come out there and play like he's a 12, 13-year veteran with all of this experience. And look, while I'm not trying to make an excuse for Lamar Jackson, it seemed like the Lamar haters were kind of waiting in the bushes, right? Lamar Jackson's having all the success and, you know, the Bill Polians of the world are kind of, you know, backing up into a into a corner because, you know, there's nothing they can say because Lamar Jackson's doing all this stuff. But wait, Lamar Jackson has a bad game, has one singular bad game. And everybody comes out to roost, right? Tom Brady can have a bad game. Aaron Rodgers can have a bad game. Even Drew Brees can have a bad game. And people will say, okay, yeah, everybody has bad games, right? It's natural. Well, that narrative can't change when a player like Lamar Jackson has a bad game, especially, you know, going into the playoffs. It's it's nerve-wracking out there. I mean, I can't imagine going out there, you know, in front of all those fans with all that pressure. The players who do it, the players who go out there and perform, I give them all the credit in the world. This experience for Lamar Jackson, this playoff loss is going to fuel him. It's going to fuel this Ravens team. This Ravens team is pissed off. They are mad that they could not get this job done because they thought this was their year too. Marlon Humphrey said the identity of this team right now is to just go right into the playoffs and choke. And that's not an unfair thing to say. The Ravens know it and they're not going to say that that's not true. But the fact of the matter is the Ravens, and the reason I thought they were one year away is because look. This was a year of growing for this team. Now they know what it feels like to have all this pressure, all this media attention, everybody looking at them, having eyes glued to them. That's hard for a young player, let alone even a guy like, you know, a Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and, you know, a team who has experience. This offense is young. This defense has veterans, but it's also decently young. I mean, you look at the pass rush. Jalen Ferguson, rookie. Tyus Bowser, young guy, right? It's difficult to be put in a position where you've been kind of written off and written off as an underdog for so long. And then all of a sudden, you start performing well and boom, that escalation goes from zero to 100 and everybody's watching. 
The Ravens have the cap space. The Ravens now have an extra year of experience. The Ravens have the draft picks. There are clear holes on this team that I think can be very easily patched up. The Ravens need receivers. The Ravens need an inside linebacker. The Ravens need help on the edge in terms of pass rush. They can maybe use an interior lineman, right? There are holes that can be fixed. This Ravens team can do it. This Ravens team has all the potential, all the capability in the world. The Ravens front-loaded Marcus Peters' contract to have $20 million on the books for next season because they know that this thing can go multiple years and they don't want to hinder themselves. They don't want to put themselves in a situation where they have all their guys backloaded and then they're going to come into you know a situation they had in, over these last few years with Joe Flacco's contract, Ray Rice's contract, Jimmy Smith's contract, all these guys. Marcus Peters, $20 million in his first year out of a three-year $42 million deal. That will allow the Ravens to have wiggle room next offseason when they have to re-sign guys like Ronnie Stanley if they franchise tag Matthew Judon. Matthew Judon. The Ravens are being smart because they know that this has the potential to be a dynasty. And I am confident in this Ravens team and their ability to bounce back. And it's just a progression, right? The Ravens get to the wildcard round in Lamar Jackson's first year, you know, him starting for half a season, essentially. The Ravens go on this historic round. Lamar Jackson breaks all these records. And the Ravens get to the divisional round, number one seed. And yes, disappointment in terms of how it ended. But this team is going to be all right. This team is going to be okay. And the reason behind that is because people believe. People believe in the team that the Ravens have. The players are buying in. The coaches are buying in. The executives are buying in. And they know that they are just a few pieces away. Just a few singular pieces away from being absolutely dominant. Not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs. And this was disappointing, no doubt. I'll say it over and over and over again. Disappointment is the number one word when I think about this game. But when this Ravens team steps out onto the field in September of 2020, it's going to be different. It's going to be exciting. And the Ravens, I'm saying it now, are going to repeat as the AFC North champions for the third year in a row. Book it right here on this Lockdown Ravens podcast. Ravens winning the AFC North for the third year in a row. We are going to go to break now, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the offense and the Ravens' 28-12 loss. But before we do that, go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience less than half the price of a Peloton. Go to echelonfit.com slash LockedOnNFL to learn about their limited-time free Apple iPad and complete details of their exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash locked on NFL. Echelon fit.com slash locked on NFL. Welcome back to the second segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostriker is still with you here, and it's not going to be fun, but we have to talk about it. The offense from the Ravens 28-12 loss over the Titans, and it's important to talk about, even though it might not be super fun, because it's important to know where things went wrong and how the Ravens can improve on this going into next season. And just make sure that if the Ravens get back into the playoffs next season, that this doesn't happen again. And how the Titans were able to stop Lamar Jackson in this Ravens offense. And the Titans did a good job of making Lamar Jackson throw outside the numbers. Making him throw to the sidelines. And that's a weakness in Lamar Jackson's game that he's gotten better on, no doubt. But he has to improve, and he's acknowledged that he has to improve on it this offseason, I assume, is when he's going to work on it. Lamar Jackson kind of thrives on throwing inside the numbers to his tight ends and, you know, the Patrick Ricard and, you know, slants to Hollywood and regardless, but they were making Lamar Jackson throw outside the numbers, and look, of course he was not helped by his receivers. They had seven drops. That's just, that's not going to get it done. Seth Roberts had a drop on what would have been 
at least a 30, 40 yard gain, if not a touchdown. Mark Andrews, a ball hit off his hands and the Kevin Byard's arms on the Ravens opening possession. And that's where I really saw the momentum shift is when the Ravens were driving. The Ravens were driving and driving and driving. But the Titans, you know, made plays in the right situations and when they needed to make plays. We all know DMPs with that bend, don't break defense. That's exactly what the Titans were giving the Ravens in terms of looks. They were giving Lamar Jackson some cushion, but they weren't letting him get huge gains. It was, all right, we'll let you get a five-yard gain. We'll let you get a seven-yard gain, but we're not going to let you get into range to get points. And the Ravens were only held to 12 points. They only scored one touchdown, so... It was difficult for the Ravens to get anything going on offense, but boy, Lamar Jackson gave it his all. 31 of 59 for 365 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. He also had a fumble. He also carried the ball 20 times for 143 yards. Lamar Jackson had over 95% of the Ravens' total offense in this game, and that is not how you win a football game. The Ravens abandoned the run really, really early in this game. Gus Edwards had three carries for 20 yards. Mark Ingram, six for 22. When your running backs have less than half the carries that your quarterback does, you're you're not going to win the game. And it's as simple as the fact that, yes, the Titans weren't generating much pressure on the pass rush, although Lamar Jackson was sacked four times. It was really the fact that the Ravens got away from who they were. The Ravens had the top rushing offense in the league in, during the regular season, rushing for over 200 yards per game. And Greg Roman opts to throw the ball 59 times, something that, you know, yes, the Ravens were having to play from behind for most of the game, and that's something I, I totally understand it. But going into the second half, the Ravens were down eight points. They got the ball first in the second half. You can still run the ball there. There are still 30 minutes of football left to play. And yes, Mark Ingram was not at 100%. Nick Boyle went down with an injury. Mark Andrews was not at 100%. But Gus Edwards had a decent game, in my opinion. You know, it's, it's hard to say that, but, you know, he had a 19-yard gain, and then he had one yard in his next two carries. But, I mean, there's, there's not enough sample size to say, yeah, he would have done well or he would have done terribly. The Ravens didn't give their running backs the benefit of the doubt, something that I believe they should have done because of the production that they had throughout the regular season. And we're going to get into the Titans offense in the third segment going along with the Ravens defense. But Ryan Tannehill only had to throw the ball 14 times. And, you know, that's something you saw out of Lamar Jackson where he would go 15 of 25 or 17 of 22, right? Derrick Henry had 30 carries. That's the brand of offense the Ravens run. And the fact that the Titans were playing good defense, they were staying in their lanes, they weren't letting Lamar Jackson get up the field. They were making him cut it to the outside. It was really the Ravens were getting three, four yard gains on these rushes, but they weren't. They were getting into third and fives, third and sixes, where the Titans would then defend the inside, making Lamar Jackson throw it outside. And Lamar couldn't get that job done. And Lamar made some very nice throws that were dropped by receivers. If you take out those drops, if you say, all right, look, we're going to give receivers catches on all seven of those drops, it's arguable that the Ravens could have won the football game. I mentioned the Seth Roberts play, the Mark Andrews play. Lamar Jackson, yes, he won 31 of 59. I mean, 59 passes for Lamar Jackson, absolutely unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. And that's just not who the Ravens are. Lamar Jackson has improved as a passer enough where, yes, you can argue that he can throw the ball a lot more than he did in the regular season if you really want to take it that far. But in the playoffs, you know, you can't abandon what got you there. And I think that Greg Roman got a little scared. A little panic started to set in because the Ravens weren't able to put up the points that they were able to. I mean, the Ravens, you know, 40 points, 45 points, 50 points, 30 points, 59 points, right? The Ravens only had six points at halftime, no touchdowns. 
they wanted to get off to a fast start and score immediately. And I think that the run wasn't where they were going. Then the Ravens get stopped on their second, fourth, and one. And it, it just got out of hand. You can even take it back to Lamar Jackson's fumble where, you know, arguably he should have thrown the ball away. That was a bad decision of his where Jarrell Casey got on him and Lamar Jackson pumped once, pumped twice, pumped three times, pumped four times. And, you know, at that point, if you already have a hand on you, if you already had a hand on you, you need to throw the ball away on at least your second pump. Lamar Jackson kept pumping and a guy just came around, smacked that ball out and... The rest is history. The Titans got the ball, got another touchdown. The Titans had a weird game on offense. Again, we'll get into it, but they didn't have a drive over 35 yards, I think, except for one time. And, you know, it was just a bunch of flute plays for Tennessee and give credit where it's due. The Titans played an admirable game, an exceptional game, but the Ravens killed themselves with mistakes. They killed themselves with penalties. And overall, you look at how it worked out in terms of the receivers, Marquise Brown had the game of his life, and that's including the first week of the season against Miami where he had two touchdowns. Seven receptions for 126 yards. You could argue that he was the MVP for the Ravens, if not Marcus Peters. Marquise Brown made play after play, was getting open in the middle of the field, was sitting down on routes, making sure that Lamar Jackson had a trustworthy guy to, to throw to, and it helps that Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown are very good friends. But when you look at the other receivers, Willie Sneed 6 for 56, Hayden Hurst 4 for 53 in a touchdown, Andrews 4 for 39, Seth Roberts 2 for 30, Boykin 3 for 26, Hill 4 for 26. And these stats are very inflated because of the fact that Lamar Jackson threw the ball so much. But Hayden Hurst had a drop. Mark Andrews had that drop. Seth Roberts had that drop. Miles Boykin had a drop. Sneed had a drop. Drop after drop after drop after drop after drop. It's not acceptable, and the Ravens have been plagued by drops for a while. You can go back. You want to go back last year? Michael Crabtree's drop in the end zone in Cleveland that cost the Ravens the game. Willie Sneed had a few drops last year. The Ravens, when they're looking in the offseason, are going to be looking for a sure-handed wide receiver because Marquise Brown is the closest thing they had to a sure-handed wide receiver, and he's considered a speedster deep threat, but we all know he's so much more. Willie Sneed brings a great presence in terms of the blocking. He buys into the Baltimore culture. But there's going to be a rework in that wide receiver room because they just need more weapons. And you look at a team like Kansas City West, Tyreek Hill, Mecole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy. The Ravens have that, but just not as much talent. They have Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, Hayden Hurst. But they don't have, you know, that dynamic second and third receiver to take the pressure off of Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. The Chiefs beat people so badly. And keep in mind, the Chiefs run a very different offense from the Ravens, but if you're going to be throwing the ball 59 times, the Chiefs beat teams so badly because they have guys who make sure that everybody has to be one-on-one -on -one in man coverage. Travis Kelsey's one-on-one -on -one with somebody. Hill's one-on-one -on -one with somebody with maybe some safety help over top. That leaves Mecole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson, who are both threats, also one-on-one. -on -one. And if Mark Andrews was one-on-one -on, -one on every play he would be racking up numbers like Travis Kelsey. But in this game, the Titans were able to defend their zone, sit down, and not have to worry about guys like Willie Sneed or Seth Roberts because they're not considered quote-unquote threats to them. They clamped down on Marquise Brown. They made sure Mark Andrews was ineffective when he was out there. And it was just a chain reaction, and Lamar Jackson couldn't find the opportunities to throw to them throughout the outside numbers. So overall, this Ravens offense... Their demise was getting away from who they were, and I think Greg Roman acknowledges that, John Harbaugh acknowledges that, everybody on the team acknowledges that, so I don't put this blame on Lamar Jackson, I put this blame on the coaching if you're looking for somebody to blame, 
Lamar Jackson's okay. Lamar Jackson's going to be fine. The Ravens are going to be fine. John Harbaugh's going to be fine. Everybody's going to be fine. So this was a bad day for the offense, but they will come back stronger than ever. We are going to go to our final break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Ravens defense that held the Titans to 28 points, but still in a losing effort. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. Blue Chew is subscribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctors visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, I've got a special deal for our listeners. This is BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use our special promo code LOCKEDON, just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked On Ravens episode. Kevin Ostreicher is still with you here. And we just got into the offense, but now let's talk about the defense in a game where, yes, the Titans scored 28 points and the Ravens ended up losing the game. But the Ravens defense actually performed better than people are giving them credit to. Overall, the Titans had 15 first downs. They, they were 7 of 13 on third down, but they only gained 300 total yards on offense. And when you look at how the Titans averaged 5.7 yards per play, and a lot of these stats are kind of skewed because, yes, the Titans were running the clock down and kind of beating the Ravens at their own game. My conspiracy theory is if the Ravens hold the ball for longer than the opponent, they win the game. And that theory has officially been laid to rest. The Ravens held the ball for 32 minutes and 6 seconds, while the Titans held it for 27 minutes and 54 seconds. And this was a game where the Titans just played disciplined football on offense. They stuck true to what was their game. And that game is eerily similar to the Ravens and what they do on offense. The Titans averaged 5.9 yards per rush, 5.2 yards per pass. But the story of the game, you know, and it was the story that everybody had been talking about and talking about and talking about. Derrick Henry finished with 30 carries for 195 yards. Although, all things considered, I do think the Ravens played decent against Derrick Henry. Not terribly, but not great either. There were a few runs where he got loose. He had a 60-something yard run. He had another 27-yard run. There were a few big chunk runs that kind of skew those stats into a bit of oblivion. I mean, 195 yards. He's rushed for over 180 yards in three straight weeks. That's absurd. He put his name to the history books with that and I mean, he's just a, he's a load to stop. And, you know, as the game was waning on, as the Ravens offense couldn't score points, it was difficult for the Ravens defense to stay disciplined. And I mean, when you have to go and tackle Derrick Henry, it's a whole experience. I mean, and I thought the Ravens, you know, coming out of the gate here in the first quarter, first possession, second play of the game, Marcus Peters leveled Derrick Henry, wrestled him to the ground. And that was where I was like, all right, the Ravens are disciplined. They're here. They're ready. And they're ready to play football. But as the game went on, you saw a lot of missed tackles, and that's not even on Derrick Henry. A third down scramble from Ryan Tannehill where Matthew Judon would have had him behind the line to gain and missed him. Ryan Tannehill got the first down. A lot of missed tackles in this game for the Ravens in a game where, you know, any football game you can't afford to miss tackles, but this one especially. Khalif Raymond had a reception for 45 yards and a touchdown on a play where Marlon Humphrey got badly burned and... I'm going to be talking about this a lot as the offseason progresses for Baltimore. Marlon Humphrey played out of position for two-thirds of the year and still made the Pro Bowl. That just speaks to the quality of Marlon Humphrey as a player and 
as Marlon Humphrey adjusted to his life as a slot cornerback, you know, it, it's not easy for slot cornerbacks. The Ravens lost the key contributor before the season even began with Tavon Young. He had a neck injury, and instead of rushing back and trying to rehab it, he got surgery on it, which put him out for the whole season. Absolutely the right, smart move to do. I'd rather have an 100% healthy Tavon Young next season than really only have maybe a 70-80% healthy Tavon Young this season. But Marlon Humphrey played admirably in that position. When Tavon Young went down, remember in the preseason it was, all right, is Cyrus Jones going to step up there? Is Anthony Aver going to step up there? Is Brandon Carr going to step up there? And for a bit, it really was the Brandon Carr show while Humphrey played on the outside with Jimmy Smith. But then Jimmy Smith goes down in like the first possession or the first quarter of that Dolphins game. So now you have Brandon Carr moving to the outside. And then you have Averett playing the slot. But then you get later in the year when Jimmy Smith comes back. Marcus Peters is acquired and you have three outside guys and Smith, Humphrey, and Peters. Smith is an outside guy by trade and that's who he is. Peters is the same thing. So then you have Humphrey who excels on the outside but has the tangibles to play slot cornerback and against a guy like Khalif Raymond who just ran a crisp, exceptional route. Slot receivers are so different than outside guys. Marlon Humphrey is an all-pro first teamer every single year from now on if he plays on the outside. I mean, I'll stand by that. But in the slot, it's difficult. And when the Ravens get Tavon Young back, Jimmy Smith probably won't be back with the team unless he takes a team-friendly deal. So it's going to be Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, and Tavon Young in the slot there with I think they could bring back Jimmy on a team-friendly deal. Maybe they bring back Brandon Carr as well. But then you have Anthony Averett and a few other young guys. The Titans were able to beat the Ravens by exploiting their weaknesses. And while Marlon Humphrey, by no such the imagination, was, you know, terrible in the slot, you know, he didn't have his best game, and a lot of the Ravens didn't. Michael Pruitt had one reception for 15 yards. Johnny Smith, 2 for 12. A.J. Brown, 1 for 9. Derrick Henry, 2 for 7. And Corey Davis, 1 for 3 in, in that touchdown on the Derrick Henry play that was beautifully drawn up by Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel outcoached this Ravens team and for the second straight season. I mean, we saw it last year with Anthony Lynn and the Chargers. The Ravens just didn't seem prepared for this game, which is very uncharacteristic out of a John Harbaugh team. Missed tackles, some lazy effort here and there on defense, but I think the defense is not getting enough credit for the fact that they were able to, you know, quote-unquote, hold Tennessee to 28 points in, in a game where Lamar Jackson threw two interceptions, had a fumble. The Ravens gave the ball to the Titans twice on fourth down. The Titans were playing with pretty short fields on almost every drive. I believe the stat is the Titans only had one drive that went over 35 yards. I believe that was the stat. I might be wrong on that, but it was some absurd number like that. The Titans were playing a short field for pretty much the entire game, and the Ravens, you know, it was just a recipe for disaster because with Derrick Henry, with, you know, them only having to go 45 yards, 35 yards, they didn't have to rely on Tannehill's arm. They could just pound the ball, get into field goal range, and they didn't even have to kick field goals because they were punching the ball in on every single red zone possession. The Titans, one of the best red zone teams in the NFL once they get there. So the Ravens really didn't have an answer, and when you look at how the Ravens performed on the defensive side of the ball, you have to put that into account because if the Ravens were playing a game where, all right, we're having the Titans start on their own 25 or they're having the Titans start on their own 35 even, that's a whole different ball game. So when looking at those stats, put that in account. Earl Thomas led the team with seven tackles. Brandon Williams had six. Patrick Owasso, Josh Bynes, and Michael Pierce had five. But the MVP on defense for me in this game was Marcus Peters. A lot was made during the season of his tackling efforts. I questioned it even. Marcus Peters can tackle. 
And he, when he puts in the effort, he's one of the best all-around corners in the NFL. Coverage, tackling. We saw that Derrick Henry play. He walloped him in that backfield on the second play of the game. Marcus Peters, when he puts in the effort, is exceptional. He chased down Derrick Henry on that long touchdown run, or would-be touchdown run. Marcus Peters almost ripped that ball out from him. Marcus Peters showed the effort and the reason why the Ravens brought him in. His coverage ability, his ability to be a leader, and his ability to put in the effort. And that's what I saw in this game. Marcus Peters is going to be a Raven for a long time. I think the Ravens are going to keep him around for a while. And that's past his three-year deal. So I think that Marcus Peters was by far the MVP in this game for the Ravens. Brandon Williams had a nice stuff on Derrick Henry as well. But overall, the Ravens offense could not overcome the 28 points that the Ravens defense gave up. And that was ultimately the demise of this football team. That's all I have for you today, but tomorrow we are going to be talking more about the Ravens Divisional Round game against the Titans, so stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.